Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. We're speaking with John Guandolo, who is the president and founder of Understanding the Threat. You know, it seems to me that obviously Sharia is not compatible with the U.S. Constitution. And it is really not possible to have two completely different and competing systems of law uh, in a country where some citizens are uh, are susceptible to one set of laws and not the other. Uh, that is not a that's not uh, that's not something that can exist for a period of time without creating serious problems. Well, that that is absolutely correct and uh that that is a fantastic point i two legal systems cannot exist at one time in any one place that is an objective truth now for i can already hear people uh, asking the questions well what about jewish halakha their their law american jews practice that well that's correct because number 1 halakha says this is for us, and we are not to impose it on other people unwillingly, and we are to follow the law of the land. Uh, Christian canon law specifically um, applies to the Christian community and is not meant to be imposed um, on others. That's not the pur- its purpose. So that's a big difference. Sharia... The whole purpose of Sharia is to impose it by all means, first by offering you to convert, offering you to submit, pay the non-Muslim poll tax, and if you refuse, to wage war against you until you're either killed or submit to Islamic law. That is a very different uh, system, and we need to understand that. Now, the, the final question that I, or at least another question, that gets raised is people saying, yeah, but that could never happen here in the United States. Our courts would never allow it. Well, first of all, our courts are allowing it, and there are numerous cases where federal judges have actually ruled in support of Sharia because they're grossly ignorant about what it actually is and how it actually operates. But putting that aside, I would argue that you can demonstrate the Islamic law of slander has already been and is continuing to be imposed in the United States. The Islamic law of slander says you cannot say anything about Islam or Muslims that Muslims would, quote, dislike. And it's a capital crime 
which means it's punishable by death. Now, let me be clear here. When you see somebody like me speaking truth about Islam, and because of a factual statement about Islam and how it's being utilized, banned from social media, posts or YouTube videos uh, pulled down. Um, people that speak truth about Islam in the United States being threatened, as I have been on numerous occasions, with death by Muslims. Not because what I'm saying is not true, but because they don't like it. Islam's, the way Islam looks at it is, you will know everything you need to know about Islam when you are under, when you are submitted to Islam. And uh, until then, they want the non-Muslim community to remain ignorant. And, and an indicator is the more they openly speak about the truth of Islam, uh, the more you need to realize how much in danger we are, because it, it means they believe they are closer to victory, which is why they're speaking more openly about Islam. Well, John, uh, can't we look to an example uh, in Europe as to what happens when countries lose control of their legal system to Sharia law? Uh, everything that I've read about conditions in, in Germany and Belgium, uh, places in London and, and, and the like, where Sharia law is the rule in large sectors of major cities, where the police won't go, there are no-go zones, uh, where the women are subject to the laws, Sharia law, in terms of their dress and their covering, uh, genital mutilation, uh, and where rape of non-Muslim women is allowed. Isn't that what's going on in Europe right in front of our noses? Absolutely, and you are correct in saying that it is a good example of what we uh, have to look forward to, unfortunately, if we do not stand firm. Um, the, the, the evidence in Europe, actually, you can contrast very starkly. In the countries, which is almost all European countries, but you, you can look at England, France, Germany, the Netherlands, uh, that have... Uh, openly Sweden, openly let uh, Muslim populations into their community, and their communities are being destroyed. Their women are being sexually assaulted in huge numbers. Uh, the gang raping going on in the U.K. is appalling, and what's more appalling is the police are not doing anything about it. And in some cases, we now have the evidence that police are turning the blind eye for money. They're, they're allowed to participate. In some cases, officers participating in this, it's, 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 it leaves one uh, a decent person speechless. Uh, but then you look into countries like Poland and Hungary, who have zero incidents of this. Zero. None. None of these problems. Hungary and Poland. And why is that? Because they don't let Muslims in. Because they have their leaders, I mean, the leaders of Hungary uh, have openly said, and their ambassadors have said, we are a Christian nation, in the case of Hungary. It's in our constitution. And why would we allow somebody to come and live in our country 
whose doctrine openly says they exist to destroy our system. That doesn't make sense to us, so we will not allow them in. That's, that shows a glimmer of reasoned thought still exists in the West, uh, and you see these things are not happening in Poland and Hungary because they're not allowing Muslims in. If that's not the clearest example of what you're asking about, I, I can't think of anything more starkly uh, to, to, to more starkly you know, demonstrate your point. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum will return after this quick break. So, John Guandolo, and again, we're speaking with John Guandolo, who is the president and founder of Understanding the Threat. Um, read his book, Raising a Jihadi Generation, available on his website, www.understandingthethreat.com. Also, uh, he has a TV show which can be found at www.wvwtv.com. Uh, the focus is now on the Muslim Brotherhood uh, and Sharia law. And that's what we've been discussing. It's not a subject that's foreign to my listeners because we have discussed this over and over again, the risks and the threat that we are facing. So, John Guandolo, where do we go from here? What What is the answer? Obviously, we know this threat exists uh, we cannot turn a blind eye to it. Uh, how do we go about effectively combating this risk to our freedom, our individual freedom? Well, I, I think um, this is the, the answer. And what UTT has been uh, speaking and teaching about and training people to do uh, is this. Number one, you've got to, uh, I believe, have a a positive attitude as you, as you look at this. Um, we are America. We are Americans. We overcame great odds to even win the revolution and establish a republic under the founding principles of the law of nature and nature's God. And um, so I believe there's great hope. First of all, I feel like it's important to start with that. There's great hope. And, but... The federal government in the United States has demonstrated that it is incapable right now of protecting its citizens from this threat or from, quite frankly, the Marxist threat, but certainly from this threat because it continues to fail to identify the threat. So I believe it's at the, the very local level that this is going to get fixed and it's going to be driven by individual citizens. Um, and individual citizens need to understand the threat, need to educate themselves about the threat, and force, put pressure on their local leaders, mayors, city councils, police, pastors, uh, you know, chambers of commerce, school boards, to deal with the reality of the threat, to stop giving leeway the leaders in the Muslim community, and to actually address this, to stop giving Muslims access to our schools to teach children that Islam's awesome and to make, show them how to pray the way Muslims pray. Knock that off. If we would just stop what we're doing, that would be a good 
thing. Stop giving imams the ability to come into our city council meetings and lead prayers into our state house. Stop holding Muslim Day at the state capitals all over the country, hosted, by the way, by Hamas, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, you know, Hamas doing business as care. We need to stop allowing our leaders to do this uh, really insane behavior that's suicidal, like uh, stop following the pattern of our European friends and just say no. That's the first way to start. And then to have an honest, open, adult conversation about these real threats. And when I said before that the Islamic law of slander has been imposed, you might have people listening going, I don't know what he's talking about. You know, think about these things. Can you go on Broadway and have a play called the, you know, the Book of Mohammed, a, a, the life of Mohammed, that's true to form? Could you do it? Could you make a film about it? No, the Hollywood studios would be burned down. Broadway would be shut down by a thousand Muslims protesting and threatening violence. What happens when you speak truth about Islam? Right? People are killed. Theo Van Gogh was killed because he made a film about women in Islam. Many other people, myself and my colleagues, are threatened with death. It would be nice to have one or two people, more than just a couple pastors in America, stand up and speak truth about this. That's where we win this war. Stop defending Islam. That's where it begins. And start speaking the truth about us, America, and the goodness. This is the most prosperous and giving and charitable nation in the history of the world because we are founded on the law of nature and nature's God, which, by the way, is legally defined in Blackstone's commentaries, the source that our founders used as the will of God and Holy Scripture, and start speaking about the goodness of who we are. We don't need Islam in America to tell us how to run our government, how to live our lives, especially once we know what Islam actually teaches. That's how we take back this nation, is to speak truth boldly in love and realize that it may come to a fight at some point in this country. And we have to exhaust all our means, but it begins with stopping giving the enemy leeway and people who pose a threat leeway and start speaking truth about them and about who we are. And then we will see victory on the horizon. Well, John... What you're suggesting, of course, is the rational and really kind of what I would call the American way of dealing with problems. And this country has dealt with problems in that way for for several centuries. Our problem today, and this goes way beyond Islam, and, and I definitely want you to comment on this because we started out in the beginning by saying that the threat that we, that and I said that uh, we are fighting against two separate insurgencies, in each with their own very different worldview. And we've been talking about Islam, and but the other one, of course, is Marxism, collectivism, or whatever you want to call it. But 
<clears throat> what we have in our country today, unfortunately, is we have a total control of the media by Media Matters, people who fund it like George Soros. And that is why the message that we are trying and you are trying to get out to people when you say speak about the truth, speak the truth about Islam, speak the truth about uh, uh, Marxism, about communism, about socialism, speak the truth. We don't have an outlet. We don't have an outlet that reaches the people who the vast majority of people who need to be reached, who need to have these facts presented to them so they have the ability or at least the tools to make a decision. How do we fight that battle? Well, that's a, uh, that's a question of means and methodology, and I strongly and firmly believe we have tried to uh, work it from the top. When I was recruited in 2008 out of the FBI by the Department of Justice, or Department of Defense, excuse me, um, they had me speak to numerous members of Congress, chairman of the Intelligence and Homeland Security Committees, former FBI, CIA, and Defense Intelligence Agency directors, uh, national security advisors, three- and four-star generals. And that didn't make a dent. They heard the information, they were shocked, and then very few of them, and you know who the ones are in Congress that stood firm and spoke truthfully. It's a handful in, in 17 years. And so I we begun working at the state level more and working on, you know, pastors and sheriffs and getting them. And we found very few pastors and sheriffs uh, with the courage to speak truth. Um so now what we're doing is, the, the answer to your question is, the way to do it is you pick a spot where there is the most fertile ground and you begin educating influential citizens in the community one at a time, two at a time, three at a time. But the people doing the educating have to be people that already have a relationship with them. So we are training people to do that, to actually have enough of the knowledge to go in and speak to, because I'm telling you, we're already seeing fruit from this, and uh, I would say it's in the early stages, is being able to speak. If you know somebody and you share something with them, they're much more willing to listen than if uh, a complete stranger tells them that Islam's a threat. And we are finding great success and a blossoming um, movement by simply planting a very significant seed, spending time in one one area, and then letting them spread the message, and and we become planters of seeds, as opposed to somebody who's trying to, you know, plant a whole garden in a in a day, um, and it's it's really that is the way we're going to do this, and we need to plant the seeds in communities all across the country. It really just takes people to do their, their own study and, uh, and to use, well, look, we have a lot of resources at understanding the threat, but there are a lot of my colleagues that are out there, and when I say a lot, I'm talking five or six, that are doing this on a daily basis. But, you know, the, uh, they're out there, and uh, we have their resources listed on our website, too. So would encourage people to use them. This is not... You know, I appreciate that you are supporting understanding the threat, 
but there's a very small number of us at the national level doing this. And, and I support my friends and, and, and allies in this war. And, uh, that's how we're going to win it is, is citizens who understand the message and understand that we have to be thoughtful about it. It may come to actually physically defending our communities, but for now we have to really citizens have to share this and, uh, and be willing to do so boldly and without fear. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything going to be all right this morning. Hmm. <laughs>